0: Welcome again to our listeners. We are here um, at Morangum Tanami looking at a new topic, and I'm so excited to have this special person with us. If I could have had you in my life, Alana, I would have had you a long time ago. We are uh, Today we're interviewing a sleep specialist, yes, that's right, a sleep specialist, Alana Chinahara. And she's going to walk us through some of the myths that we've been been fed over the years, some of the myths that we believed, and then we debunk some of those, and then we learn something new. So welcome, Alana. We are so, so thrilled to have you here.
1: Thank you so much, Janet. And hi, everybody. I am so pleased to be here to talk about my favorite topic and my passion, which is sleep for children. That is awesome. Awesome. Yes, we need to talk about sleep for
0: children. So Alana, you're a sleep specialist. Tell us, what do you do? What's a sleep sleep specialist?
1: <laughs> so just in simple terms, Janet, we teach moms and dads to show their children how to have a full night's sleep. Sleep is a very natural thing. Yeah. Um, we all just put our heads down and we go to sleep. Um, our children also need to learn to do that, but it's something that is taught to the majority of the children. And it really stems from some of the habits that they learn from when they're babies, which we actually encourage, which are not unlearned. Okay, so um, what it is is that if you are looking to have your baby sleeping um, before they're like five years or six years, where then the muscles and the hormones in their body actually do the work for them, that is what I do, that is my speciality. I'll be there to show you how to do that in the most gentle and responsible manner possible. I am part of an organization called Goodnight Baby South Africa. Okay. I am the Zimbabwe consultant and uh, we're a team of about 23 ladies and we love it. We, it's our passion. It's our love. Above all, it's just helping families because you'd be surprised how, what a huge effect sleep has on people
0: or lack of sleep. Definitely. I agree. I agree with what you're saying because um, for as long as I can remember, we've always heard that, oh, now you have a baby. You thought you weren't sleeping when you're pregnant. Now you're really not going to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I'll probably ask the first question. Well, not the first question, second question. Is there a sleep pattern that can be developed for an infant? Um, I probably want to add on to that and ask if, um, Infants develop start developing these habits when they are still in the uterus because you always hear that you know the way they behave when they're in the tummy is the same way they'll behave when they're outside. So, are there patterns that they learn, and then is this a pattern that can actually be cultured into them by people such as yourselves?
1: Okay, so um, I'll talk a little bit about a baby from when they're newborn. What happens in the tummy, and before that, we're not experts within that because. <laughs> with babies in their tummies. Okay. So, um, I'll talk right to you from when the baby's born okay. for the first eight weeks of your little one's life. We like to call that survival mode. Okay. Your little one is new. They're getting used to the world. You are getting used to your little one. It's a time for you guys to really just explore each other, learn to just get used to one another, learn how each, how you respond to each other. And you know, just remember this child has come from a very small environment, which was mainly dark and controlled by you to a big wide world. So they have to get used to the world. So we call these first eight weeks survival weeks. And in those first eight weeks, what typically happens is that we encourage mummies to do what you can to survive, okay? Um, It's literally a day by day survival. Um, You need to feed your baby. So a baby needs to eat, to be clean, to be warm, and to sleep and they sleep a lot janet in this in this time period <laughs> i know they um, do um and you know the whole thing of when your baby's sleeping you also rest yes i encourage that because up until your baby's about eight weeks even 10 weeks some babies up until 10 weeks don't have a concept of night and day okay mm-hmm. um and that's nothing to do with anything other than the fact that they do not have the circadian rhythms the natural metabolic rhythms that we have or that children have from about 10 weeks onwards Okay, so they don't know the concept of night and day, which is why you're encouraged. Um, When is the daytime? Feed your child out in bright light. Feed your child in a place where there's lots of noise so that they know that this is the daytime, okay? Mm -hmm. And then obviously in the night, dim the lights. Make sure that it's dark. Even when you do a diaper change during the night, make sure that it's, you know, dim. You have to be able to see. Okay. (laughs) Okay, But what it is you're trying to influence the circadian rhythms um, for your child. Circadian rhythms are just our bodily responses to nature, to the light and to the dark, to mm-hmm. eating and sleeping. Okay, so for the first eight weeks, your baby doesn't have that. You are trying to influence that. You're trying to push it. What you would need to do as best as you can is to just soothe your child to help make that transition easier into the world. So remember, we've got the five S's of soothing. Okay. okay, and those are shushing. Okay, so just mm. sh- sh- okay. Um, swaddling is another one. So, remember, they were in a cocoon environment in the tummy. Okay, yeah. so swaddling mimics that environment, it helps them keep safe and secure. It helps them feel balanced. Okay, and it also really helps to soothe them. Okay, okay. Then we've got what we call um, sucking. So that's all different things. It could be breastfeeding, sucking. It could be dummy sucking. It could be bottle sucking. Remember, not everybody has got the privilege to breastfeed for whatever reason. So we take into account everybody and everything that they're doing. So sucking is the other of soothing. Uh, Okay. Then we've got what we call um, skin or, or stomach. That's wearing your baby. Okay. Okay. So, it's just basically having a baby in a sling next to you, tummy to tummy. Okay. And the last, yes, you're wanting um, to ask something? So, so, essentially, what we're saying
0: is I, I, I'm amazed. You know, you, the sucking, I, I just had to come in on that one. A lot of people tell you don't breastfeed your baby to sleep.
1: Wow. <laughs> you're saying it's okay? For <laughs> well, the first eight weeks, Janet. Yes, it is. How else are you going to soothe a little person who doesn't? They're just also getting used to the world. Mm, okay. So you need, to, you need to do what you can. And a large part of it is the feeding to sleep. And for people who breastfeed, it'll be the breastfeeding to sleep. Mm-hmm. The only thing that you need to really be cognizant of with breastfeeding, because I know a lot of us are then told, sleep with your child, have them next to you so that they can access your boob. But remember, we look at safety standards first. Okay. Mm-hmm. Children up until the age of six months are at high risk of SIDS, sudden infant death syndrome.
0: Okay. So you want
1: to make sure that your child is in an environment where nothing can cover their face in an open environment so that they can breathe and be well. So yes, breastfeed your child to sleep, but put them back into their crib. Okay, um, if they're going to lie next to you, there's different little snuggly things. I think they're called safe snugs. Um, there's got various names for them, but you put your child in there so that they are not within your space. Mommies don't squash babies, okay? Mm-hmm. However, the risk, there is a true risk that whilst you're deep in sleep, which you will be as a, as a new mom, a nursing mom with the hormones from the breastfeeding, you can get into pretty deep sleep okay and you're tired and so, yes you are tired and so what happens is that the, the bed covers could cover your baby and that's mm-hmm. nothing that you want those are not the things that we're looking for when you've got a new baby okay so yes for the first eight weeks janet survive uh, yeah i did that <laughs> ah, survive and then from eight weeks maybe i'm preempting one of your questions but when when you start getting to eight weeks, you can start introducing some good sleep hygiene for your baby, mm-hmm. okay? And those are small things like introduce a bedtime routine, mm-hmm. okay? They still don't quite have the hormones that work with the bedtime routine at that point because those only develop at that 10, 12-week mark, mm-hmm. but it's a good thing to get into with your baby. A lot mm-hmm. of people love to bark children in the morning. No, bark your baby in the evening. Oh, it's I a used good to do that. You used to bath in the evening
0: or in the morning? I used to bath her in the evening. Um, and with my son, I don't know if that was a wrong thing or not, but I would wipe him down when I wanted to sleep, you know, and yeah. it somewhat simulated um, taking a bath. And then he would feel all warm yeah. and fuzzy and everything and all the Vaseline. And then he would just suckle and he would fall asleep.
1: Yeah. And that's it. So, so I'm sure you're remembering that one is a bit older because what happens when you do that? So yes, you can also wipe down your child. We're in Africa. So we're fortunate that it's not freezing. Mm-hmm. So a bath is good. Cause also at that point, your baby's been sweating a little bit, not smelly sweat, but sweating all day long. Okay. Um, but at that about 10, 12 week mark, your baby starts producing a hormone called melatonin, mm-hmm. melatonin peaks, at the point that you warm your child up in a bath or when you wipe them down and then you then change their clothes, which is a bit of a coolant temperature. And then what happens that it peaks? Melatonin is a sleep hormone. Okay. And that's what, like you're saying, your son would then snuggle down, suckle and go to sleep. But that hormone really only develops from about um, 10 to 12 weeks. I would say closer to 12 weeks. However, like I'm saying to you, your baby starts forming their little circadian rhythms from about eight weeks, which now means that they know daytime it's daytime, nighttime it's nighttime. Wonderful! You still had one S. I've forgotten the ones that I said in the first place. Let me try chime <laughs> <and remember>. in. <laughs> no, it's okay. We can carry on. I'm sure you'll figure it
0: out, um, and then and then chime in with that one. So let me move on right on to the to the next question. Right. One thing that I was told was, if you want your baby to stay sleeping, stay asleep, whatever time of day, whether night or day, um, you need to make them sleep in a noisy room. Tell me, it ain't true.
1: No. Um, you know what it is about the noisy room, like I will say, mm-hmm. It's more just in the first eight weeks, in the first place. <laughs> and okay. it's just to help the baby differentiate between night and day. Um, Children should be asleep in an environment that's not too noisy. Okay, so sometimes you can't help it. I mean, if you live in a street where there's cars driving past, you can't not make those cars noisy. But similarly, if you live on a farm or even in a place where it's generally silent, and if it's one child, it will be silent. Because, you know, Mm -hmm. if you've got one child in the house, there's no one else to make noise. (laughs) So it generally is silent. Um, What you want to do is to create a perfect sleeping environment at all times. And if you do have a noisy environment, Janet, you can use what we call white noise. White noise, there's lots of apps of white noise that you can use, Drowns out any excess noise that you think may be affecting your baby, okay? Okay. Um, What I find is the most difficult age that doesn't like a noisy environment during the daytime is actually that four to six month age range. And the reason for that is because of the leap that they're going through at that time. They're going through a huge developmental leap and it's actually a leap where all of a sudden the world is, is there, whereas the world was a bit of a blur and there was nothing much happening. All of a sudden they can see, they can hear sounds and link those sounds, to things that they're seeing. They know that if they hear a sound and they turn around, um, so it's a very highly stimulated stage of their life. Speech starts developing, not that they're talking, but they know now that if they go, that's talking. Okay. Mm -hmm. So now a child like that, you put them down in the afternoon where there's lots of noise is not going to settle. And it's just the age. Okay, so that's really what it is. Um, but above that age and below that age, yeah, you can put them down. If you think your child is sensitive to noise, which some children are, some children have FOMO. It's just mm-hmm. actually just part of their personality traits. fear um, of missing out. Yes, some children do struggle because when they hear things, they're like, oh, <laughs> but that's a thing And at some point you will know your child. Okay. You'll realize yeah. that little little Janet, the moment she has anything is all over. But then there's some children that couldn't care less. They honestly, and that's also a personality trait.
0: Wow. Um that actually reminds me of of, of my two children because they were exactly like that, like those extreme opposites. Um, but it also then spikes another question in me. Um Essentially, what then would be the kind, if if, if the kids go through different um, routines like that as they grow, what then would you say would be a good routine to start with for any parent and what age? Um, I, I know straight after the eight weeks, the survival mode, then beyond that, what are we saying would prepare the child to get into a good rhythm and to be less annoying?
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Janet, that's annoying. Children are not annoying. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm also kidding. Yes, kids can be annoying. My kids can be annoying. <laughs> uh, so, like I said, eight weeks start introducing some bath time routines, but generally start making your child's life predictable. So, that's what routine is it's, it's scheduling, it's predictability. And that just gives security for a child. Children don't know time. And they won't till they're like seven years old, mind you. So if they've got a good routine and predictability and schedule and they know what's happening next, that just makes your child feel secure. Okay. From the age of about 12 months, uh, sorry, not 12 months, 12 weeks, you can start introducing good sleep hygiene, um, the thing that you're talking about, don't let your child fall asleep on the boob. Those are the type of things that you can start trying now to really enforce and implement. Okay. Um, At yeah. Good Night, we say that if you is 16 weeks uh, and 7 kgs and above they are ready for a full night of sleep oh really but it obviously stems from teaching them how to have that full night which is teaching them how to sleep by themselves but from 16 weeks and 7 kgs um, 16 weeks is developmentally ready 7 kgs is enough um, to have food enough food in their tummy to last a night From there, you can have a full night.
0: Now tell me, if the child is to fall sick, is there anything that can disrupt this pattern?
1: So when your child is sick, Janet, do everything you can to look after your baby. We say all rules out the window. Do Mm -hmm. what you must. And often doctors will say, so if it's like diarrhea, your doctor will say, please, can that child, if it's a breastfed child, keep your baby on the boob, make sure they're getting lots of fluids and hydrating. I mean, do what you can Mm -hmm. for your baby you can get back on track when your baby's better. But I always hasten to talk about my definitions of sickness. And that is things like vomiting, temperature, diarrhea, which are the typical sicknesses for children. I mean, of course, there's other things that could happen, but let's talk about the three typical ones. Um, If your child just has a bit of a snuffle and a cough, that's not really sick. Yes, they're a little bit unwell, but it's not sick in such a manner that you would have to come out of all your routines and come out of all the good things that you've shown your child. Mm-hmm. Um, but sick, uh, temperature, diarrhea, vomiting, do what you must for your baby, uh, Janet. It's, look after your child. We want safety and wellness of your child first. They will catch up with their sleep the moment that they're better.
0: Okay, so essentially you have to somewhat retrain them um, after they're better.
1: So we call it getting back on track. Is just reminding them of what they know already. That's all. So you just become a little bit strict and then they will remember what they need to do. Um, in relation to just, you know, when your baby is sick, just watch out that you're not, so a child who's got bad temperature, you also don't want to pull that child into bed with you because you will actually make them hotter. Mm. Um, especially if you're sandwiching between two parents. I mean, that's, that's, that's definitely a huge equation for heat, you know? Um, but then there's other things like with my girls, if my girls aren't breathing properly, I will. Pull them into bed with me for instance and okay. it's just because i'm breathing. but then we get back on track as soon as that as they're better all right
0: no i understand uh, well for me i'm i'm one of those bad habits people i slept with them right through up until they were old i think my my, my five-year-old I, my daughter got out of the bed when she was five because there was a new baby in town but anyway wow. that's a story for another day <laughs> let's talk about cry it out <laughs> let's talk about cry it out i mean we've always heard about is it ferber the 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 ferber yeah. um treatment where children are, should be left to cry it out and then they'll self-soothe and then they'll they'll be fine and then they they learn to sleep by themselves what what are your thoughts on that
1: so at good night we so for one we don't call ourselves a sleep training organization for one which is sleep training is associated a lot with things like that like the ferber's method and and just generally very aggressive manners to get your child to sleep, okay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we are not a cry-it-out organization, okay? What we do is we do everything um in the most responsible manner possible for our children, okay? Okay. And, and cry-it-out, you know what, you could. I did For my first, let me tell you the story. It'll actually help me to explain. Um, so I'll tell you my story around cry-it-out. For my first, I was just so exhausted by the time she was one, that I thought, let me wean this child. So I weaned her, because I, I I figured in my head that it would give me full nights. It did not give me full nights, mm-hmm. um, and it's just because of the complexities of the way sleep works. So anyway, so we wean, and I'm still waking up because now I'm the one who has to lie next to her or stroke her head till she's asleep and mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Um, and then I thought, no, I, can't. this is, it's a lot. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So then I Googled and what did I stumble upon? Cry it out. Ferber's method, cry it out method. Mm. And then that's what I did. It was, you know what? It works, Janet. <laughs> but um, it did and it worked. And, and yeah. I always say to people, I'm not going to be the person who tells you it doesn't work. It works because I did it. Okay. But it was a really harrowing three day experience for myself. Uh, I'm hoping she was young enough to not notice how harrowing it was, <laughs> but I don't even think I really ate, you know, because I was so upset in the whole process. Yeah. So yes, purpose works. Um, you know, stuff you read on the internet it works, okay. Mm-hmm. But it also just depends. So at Good Night though, what we what we do is that we give support through the methods that we recommend that are specially formulated for your family okay mm-hmm. and there and it, it's a varying situations how many children are in your family how many people are doing the bedtime i mean there's a lot of things to consider yeah. when we come up with a method that's specifically for your family so even the information we we send out 10 page questionnaires to families
0: wow. which give
1: deeper information yes it's your child it's your precious thing so cool. we want to get it correct okay <laughs> right. we're not taking. And chuck it in your face. No, we're not. So it's a detailed process. It takes me time to come up with a plan, okay. Mm. And then from there, we support you through the plan. And that's what I did with my second child. Mm. So I did it with my MD now. Uh, Her name is Yolandi, and she's the one who was my consultant. And that's she did everything, which is what I do now for me and my baby. And the process was a lot gentler, a lot more responsible. I was comfortable. I was happy. My baby, it, She. I think by second night, she was sleeping. Mm. It wasn't as harrowing a process. Wow. Um, and I understood every single step of the way what was happening, why it was happening, if it was okay for those things to be happening. Mm. And if it wasn't at any given point, as a consultant, I'm very quick to say, no, this is not what we're expecting. This is not okay. Let's intervene and let's carry on. So it's a very sort of responsible and well thought out process that we followed good night.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. At least at least there are methods that are gentler and less harrowing than um cry it out. I, I couldn't. I I just did not even try because I just couldn't.
1: <laughs> yeah. I didn't eat for three days, so you can imagine. So I see why you couldn't. <laughs> uh, definitely,
0: I I don't think I don't think I have the stomach for it. Um, yeah. But you know, as as we're winding down, I want probably for you to tell us some of the three probably main issues that you see families doing that affect children's sleep, and possibly um, like your 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 input to that. As well as the kind of solutions that, that we can think through.
1: Yeah. Okay. So I'll break it into the first two, I'll break them into age groups, um, Janet. So the first big thing I find with children that are below 18 months is that we've just continued with all of those five S's that we we're talking about right into a child who doesn't need them anymore. Okay. So I'll take one sucking. Okay. So now, your child can only fall asleep on the breast or on the bottle or with their dummy. Mm -hmm. Okay. But then the way that it works is that if they fall asleep like that, that's the help they need during the night when they wake up in their REM sleep, which all children do. Yeah. And so as a result, you're going to have to be there giving them your boob or the bottle or the dummy. Okay. So a lot of the cases I deal with is just because we've carried forward those five S's like one of them, the wearing or the sling, um, the motion, so now you've got a child who really loves babu or likes being rocked to sleep. Yeah. And initially it was easy, but now it takes like two hours before your child is actually asleep. <laughs> okay. Well, mm-hmm. so as they grow older, these are the things that happen. Okay. So the biggest thing is know that the first eight weeks, yes, we are survival mode. But after that, start introducing good sleep hygiene. And of course, contact any one of the goodnight consultants to assist if you need help, if you're not sure how to do it we will certainly be able to assist. From toddlerhood upwards, so um, above 18 months, okay, 18, 12 to 18 is toddler, but above 18 months, you now have this little being who's got emotions, who can manipulate, and it's a horrible thing to think your child can manipulate, but they can, okay. They do, they Um, do, I've seen it. Yeah, (laughs) so you've got emotional development, physical development, motor skill development, mental development you've got manipulation, you've got tantrums, you've got all sorts of things. And often they're actually not even drinking the boob anymore or drinking a bottle anymore. Mm. Um, Sometimes they still have a dummy, doesn't really matter. But what you find now is that now parents are lying next to this child. And it's part of that emotional development. So remember, a child goes through separation anxiety. Mm. And often the remedy for that is a parent will lie with their child but now you've got a two-year-old who no longer really goes through separation anxiety and you're still lying with that child, okay? Mm -hmm. That then becomes more and more difficult the older that your child gets, okay? So you either remedy it or you wait until they're five or six years old where they'll eventually get over it and be able to sleep by themselves anyway, (laughs) okay? Just because their bodies develop like that. We can't guarantee that when
0: they're five or six-year-olds, they'll still wanna sleep by themselves. Trust me, I know, I've had one. (laughs)
1: No, you can't. And you know what? I've helped children who are nine years old, seven <gasps> years old. No, you cannot guarantee that they will get over it. Okay. So, so you just have to watch it. And so, so it's just, it's just the things. So it's the things that parents carry through, it's almost the, the crutches. And I think in both instances, it's emotional crutches for the parents It's mm-hmm. the fastest way they think to get it done, but it's yes. not the most effective way. And at the very end, it's never, ever fast. So think of a toddler who you are now lying in bed with them up until you even fall asleep.
0: <laughs> That's true. You know,
1: and, and people have those stories where they were lying with their child. Now they fall asleep. And now you wake up and it's like 10 o'clock and finally you can, but it's already time for you to actually be in your own bed. So now you haven't spent time with your husband or anything or with yourself, whatever it is that you want to do. You haven't had that time at all. Oh. Um, the, the other, the last thing that I see is, Especially, I find Zimbabwean parents uh, feel that parenting should be super difficult (laughs) and it should be harrowing. Mm. And it should be, especially a woman must suffer through her parenting. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, parenting is hard enough, Janet. It really is. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Not an easy thing by any means. However, there are things that you can do to make it so that at least you can cope better so that you are rested and refreshed to cope with the challenges of being a parent because they're Mm -hmm. always different and different for every single parent. There's no two parents that that have the same challenges. Um, And that is getting help for things like sleep. It does not mean you're a superwoman because you're up all night with your child every single day of your life and you're so exhausted. No, you need to have your rest so that you can be the best mother you can be or the best father you can be for your child. And I think that for me is the biggest um, sort of thing that I just want to reach out and say, there's no reason to suffer. Just like when your child is sick, you go to the doctor, you can get help for things like sleep, or just like if you're struggling with breastfeeding, you can go to a lactation consultant. Um, You know, there's lots of things that you can do to help yourself just to ease a little bit. It's already hard, guys. (laughs) We don't have to do it in a foggy state of being tired.
0: That is so true. That is so true. And that last parting shot of yours was truly like, um, I think probably a, a, a summary <laughs> of the life that I lived when I when my kids were still little. I mean, I hardly ever slept. I went to work. I came back. I was tired. I would have to do the feeding and try and get the sleeping done. And everything was mommy this, mommy that. I, I enjoyed it to some extent. I don't know if, if, if there's that kind of... <laughs> that kind of thing going on out there. I enjoyed it and I thought to myself, okay, they're only young ones. But I will I will agree with you. It doesn't have to be difficult, you know? And you want to be able to treasure the good moments. And you know, we're like we're so susceptible to looking at, at at the parenting process as difficult, you know, and and looking at the child and saying they are difficult. And sometimes it's not even fair because they are what we expose them to and things like that. So okay. this has really been eye-opening for me and I hope someone out there is definitely gonna feel good about this podcast because i surely do (laughs) and um we're just going to take your contacts and we're going to put them into into um a transcript of this this conversation and just hope that people reach out because why suffer when someone has trained in this and they can help you you know so thank you, you so much alana you're gonna have to come back because right now we talked about infants, right? But then we have to talk about those five, six, seven-year-olds who are failing to get out of the bed. So I am definitely looking forward to the next installment on Good Sleep here on Wanangum Tanami. Thank you so much, Thank Alana.
1: Thank you, Janet, for having me. I'm looking forward to coming back and doing more
0: focused topics with you. Ah, awesome stuff. You take care. Be blessed bye bye, bye. bye.